You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. NFL season about to begin and nobody covers it like the Locked On Podcast Network. August 30th through September 8th, it's Locked On's ultimate season preview. And it's taking you through every team and every division with the help of Odyssey's Ross Tucker and Jason Lockenfora. Follow the ultimate season preview 2021 feed on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts to tune in beginning August 30th. Okay, today it's Friday, August 27th. And it is another Gonzaga five-star Friday. We are now 74 days away from Gonzaga's season opener against Dixie State. Two players in Gonzaga history have hit exactly 74 three-pointers in a season. And they are Matt Santangelo and Adam Morrison. Matt Santangelo did it in the 1997-1998 season. And at the time, those 74 three-pointers were fourth most in a single season in school history. And then Adam Morrison also had 74 threes in his historic junior season back in 2006. And when he did it, those 74 threes were tied for 10th most in school history. Today, those 74 three-pointers are now tied for 22nd most in a single season in school history. That's how many great shooters have come through this program over the last two decades. Kevin Pangos has four of the top 21 spots all time. Blake Stepp, Richie Fromm, John Rilly all have multiple seasons inside the top 20 as well. So there you have today's number, 74. Matt Santangelo, Adam Morrison, both hit 74 threes in a season, and that ranks 22nd in school history. Come back on Monday to see what number 71 has in store. As we approach the 10-week mark from the start of college basketball, get hyped. All right, today on the show, we're looking back on the 2019 Gonzaga Bulldogs, a very, very veteran-laden team with a ridiculous amount of offensive firepower. Speaking of firepower, we will continue our Path to Playing Time series today with some words on Chet Holmgren. For the first time in school history, Gonzaga has the top-ranked high school prospect coming to Spokane. How will they utilize this unicorn? We'll discuss that today on the show. Before we do, a quick fall sports recap. Yesterday was not a great day in the soccer world for Gonzaga. The Gonzaga women's soccer team went to Purdue for the first ever matchup with the Boilermakers, and they lost 1-0. They gave up a goal in the 69th minute and could not respond. They lose to the Boilermakers 1-0, and they now drop to 2-1 on the season. As this was happening, I was actually at Luger Field to get ready to work the men's soccer game last night. And I was talking to somebody about this Gonzaga women's team, and they were saying that this team has a legitimate shot of making the NCAA tournament this season, which was great to hear. They've got eight more non-conference games to make a name for themselves and put together a good resume. And that starts with Sunday's game at Portland State. They come home after that, have two games against Hawaii and Montana before hitting the road for four straight games against Cal Poly, Cal State Bakersfield, Arizona, and New Mexico State. They'll host Nebraska-Omaha in their final non-conference game, and then they'll start up WCC play in October. The WCC has Santa Clara, who is the reigning national champion in women's soccer. So uh, Gonzaga hosts them 
on October 9th, which is also the day of craziness in the kennel. So a lot going on that day on Gonzaga's campus. Like I said, I was working the men's game last night and they lost a tough one. They gave up a goal two minutes into the game and UNLV was pretty much dominating time of possession. And then uh, Gonzaga kind of settled down and it was an even game from about the 10 minute mark until the 85th minute. Gonzaga tied the game with a goal from Demetrius Kigea in the 35th minute. And it looked like this game was heading to a tie. And then with five minutes to go, Marco Gonzalez, no relation to former Gonzaga pitcher and now Seattle Mariner pitcher Marco Gonzalez, gets kind of a lucky bounce off of the goaltender and off of a Gonzaga player. And it kind of bounces right to him and he's able to put it in with five minutes to go to give UNLV a 2-1 to victory over Gonzaga. So the men's soccer team drops their first game of the season. They'll look to rebound on Sunday night as they host Bowling Green at 7 p.m. on Luger Field in Spokane. The Gonzaga women's volleyball team starts their season this morning. By the time you listen to this, the game might already be over. They play at 8 a.m. Pacific time in Starkville, Mississippi. They're playing southeastern Louisiana at 8 a.m. And then a few hours later, they'll take on Mississippi State in a Basically, a three-team tournament going on at Mississippi State. They'll play two teams today, and then again tomorrow at 8 a.m., they'll play Mississippi State again. So two chances to face an SEC opponent in Mississippi State. Both of those games can be seen on Watch ESPN. One of them at 2 o'clock today on Friday, and Mississippi State Part 2 tomorrow at 8 a.m. Saturday morning. Both those games, like I said, on Watch ESPN. And then back on the men's basketball front, Jaden Bradley released his final five yesterday, and Gonzaga is part of his final five, along with Alabama, Arizona, Florida State, and Kentucky. Six-foot-three guard out of the IMG Academy in Florida. He's ranked in the top 25 by 247 Sports, and he is scheduled to visit Gonzaga on September 10th, which was supposed to be HoopFest weekend, but unfortunately, HoopFest announced that they got canceled uh, earlier this week because of the pandemic which is obviously incredibly unfortunate, not just for HoopFest and Matt Santangelo, but for the entire Spokane community who has now lost out on a huge economic impact two years in a row. All right, that's it for the news. Sorry to end it on a little bit of a downer there. Coming up, we reminisce on the 2019 Gonzaga Bulldogs and their epic showdown with Duke in Maui. And it is, for my money, the highest quality regular season game in school history. But first, a minute to talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. Listen to some of the flavors they've got going on right now. Their newest one is actually raspberry cheesecake, which sounds delicious, but they've also got peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, strawberry, mint brownie, salted caramel, cookies and cream, and double chocolate amongst many others. If you're not sure what you want, get a mixed box of multiple flavors. All of them are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. They're great for the health conscious guy, and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most Built Bars have 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order at Built.com. Okay, the 2019 Gonzaga Bulldogs, a team with high, high expectations from the get-go and an incredibly veteran-laden team. Third year, Rui Hachimura, the training wheels are off. This is his team now. 
Brandon Clark coming in off of a redshirt transfer season, coming in from San Jose State. He is a redshirt junior, which means this is his fourth year, essentially, of college basketball. Zach Norvell, redshirt sophomore. This is his third year of college basketball. Josh Perkins, a fifth-year senior. Corey Kispert, now in his second year. Geno Crandall comes in as a graduate transfer, another experienced player. Jeremy Jones, a fifth-year senior. Killian Tilly, although he was injured most of the season, a third-year player. They had so many veteran players, good players, who have played a lot of minutes in college basketball. And then they bring in a freshman class of Philip Petrushev, who ends up playing a lot because Killian Tilly was hurt most of the season. And then also Joel Ayayi and Greg Foster Jr. And Greg Foster Jr. plays in more games than Joel Ayayi. And we've talked about that multiple times on this program before, just Joel Ayayi's ascension to uh, greatness. It did not start out that way. He was playing behind Greg Foster Jr. uh, his redshirt freshman season at Gonzaga. So let's get to the season itself. They are ranked number three in the preseason polls, which is the highest ranking in school history. And right from the get-go, they showed their offensive firepower with 120 points in their season opening win over Idaho State. Zach Norvell had 23. Corey Kispert had 14. Josh Perkins had eight assists and zero turnovers. Brandon Clark made his presence known in his first game as a Bulldog with 15 points and nine rebounds. But it was Rui Hachimura, 24 minutes played, 33 points, zero turnovers, four rebounds. He was 13 of 18 from the field. Rui Hachimura tells everybody, I am here to take over the world this year. So they start the season off 3-0, and then they go to Maui. And before they get to the Duke championship game, they had to get through Illinois and they had to get through Arizona. And both of those games were a challenge. Gonzaga and Illinois, Gonzaga was up in this game for the most part, uh, most of the way, but then Illinois goes on a 10-0 run late in the second half, cuts it to a one-possession game. Gonzaga turns the ball over in this game 22 times, but somehow they hold on 84-78, and this is the Jeremy Jones game. 14 points on 5 of 5 from the field. He grabs 11 rebounds, 0 turnovers in 17 minutes. Really was the key for Gonzaga getting this win over Illinois. So then they move on to play Arizona in the semifinals of Maui. And they went down 50-37 to early in the second half. And everybody's like, alright, I guess this Gonzaga-Duke showdown ain't going to happen. Then they go on a 19-5 to run in the early in the second half. And then they follow it up. Late in the second half with a 12-2 run, and they end up beating Arizona once again, 91-74. Rui Hachimura, 24 points. Zach Norvell with 20 points. Josh Perkins and Brandon Clark, both with 18. So then we get the showdown that everybody wants, Duke-Gonzaga in the Maui Invitational Championship. Duke, the number one team in the country. Gonzaga, the number three team in the country. And before the game, Mark Few was asked, How are they supposed to stop Duke's offense? And Mark Few basically said, our best defense in this game is going to be a very efficient and a very smart offense. And that is exactly how they played. They were absolutely phenomenal offensively. One of the best offensive performances for the first 35 minutes that you'll ever see from a Gonzaga team. They scored 1.24 points per possession. They only turned the ball over 11 times. Two of them were... Basically offensive foul, dead ball turnovers. So they only had eight or nine live ball turnovers, which against that Duke team is impressive. You don't turn the ball over and give them free points. You got a chance to win. That's exactly what Gonzaga did. They went up in this game double figures by halftime, and they continued to put it on them in the second half before Duke realized that they were Duke, 
finally got a couple stops. Zion Williamson and uh, R.J. Bear got a couple transition buckets. They cut the lead to four with about five minutes left because basically what they were doing is they tried to get a switch on Rui Hachimura and they would attack him. Gonzaga goes zone for several possessions down the stretch of this game because Duke was not a very good three-point shooting team and it ended up working out just fine for him. They get a couple stops late in the game. They get a go-ahead basket from Rui Hachimura. Of course, Gonzaga misses four straight free throws at the end of this game. It could have been far less stressful if Brandon Clark or Rui Hachimura hit two free throws. Neither one of them could do it, and that gives Duke like six different chances to tie or take the lead in this game, and they missed every single one of them. Three of them got blocked by either Rui or Brandon Clark, and Gonzaga beats Duke in the Maui Invitational Championship 89-87, to one of the highest quality basketball games in terms of talent and shot making, playmaking, everything that you can ask for from high-level college basketball players you saw in this game. Rui Hachimura at 20, Zach Norvell at 18, including one of the sickest up-and-under layups in transition that you'll ever see. Brandon Clark was in foul trouble most of the game, uh, but he played 23 minutes, had 17 points, and still blocked six shots, including multiple down the stretch of that game. But Philip Petrushev was fantastic off the bench. One of the real reasons uh, why Gonzaga won this game was his contributions in the first half, including hitting a big three. He had 11 points in 12 minutes. And then on the other side, Zion Williamson, of course, was absolutely fantastic. 22 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, 4 blocks, 2 steals. He was the best player on the court. R.J. Barrett, 23 points in that game, but he was 8 of 21 from the field. And he had multiple chances at the end of that game to dish off a pass for an easier shot instead of his own, and he never did it. Luckily for Gonzaga, R.J. Barrett decided to go hero ball one too many times. Trey Jones was also pretty good in that game, 17 points and a few assists. Gonzaga beats Duke to get to 6-0 on the season. That win jumps them to number one in the polls, and their first real test as number one team in the country is a game at Creighton. And this game was pretty much a repeat of the prior year game, where Creighton went up at halftime and Gonzaga had a huge second half behind Zach Norvell, and that's exactly what happened in this game. Creighton went up 48-41 at halftime because they couldn't miss a shot, and then Gonzaga in the second half, they could not miss a shot. They scored 62 points in the second half. 62 points in the second half. That should never happen, but Gonzaga did it. 28 points for Zach Norvell. He had 20-plus in the second half. Brandon Clark with 27 points and 10 rebounds. Josh Perkins, 13 assists to one turnover. Rui Hachimura, 22 points and 11 rebounds. Gonzaga wins the game 103-92 to in their first test as the number one team in the country. Their next test came four days later at home against Washington, the Rui Hachimura buzzer beater. Washington played fantastic. Jalen Noel had 26 points on 10 of 18 shooting. They hit nine threes in this game, and they stayed with Gonzaga all the way until the buzzer. Rui Hachimura, 26 points, including the mid-range jumper to win the game. Gonzaga escapes at home against the Huskies to improve to 9-0 on the season. And then comes the rough stretch of the season. They lose back-to-back games to Tennessee and North Carolina. The Tennessee game was rough. They probably should have won that game, but it was still highlighted by the ridiculous block from Brandon Clark on Yves Pons, one of the best blocks, probably the best block uh, in college basketball over the last 10 years or so. 
But Tennessee gets the big shots down the stretch from Admiral Schofield, who goes 6-for-10 from beyond the arc. He scores 30 points. He hits multiple big threes in the final few minutes. Grant Williams has 16 points, 12 rebounds, and 7 assists. Tennessee makes the plays late to beat Gonzaga 76-73. Gonzaga goes on to lose back-to-back games. They go to Chapel Hill, and they give up 103 points to North Carolina. 103-90 to was the final score. In the complete opposite kind of game of their national championship game from two years prior. Both teams shoot above 50% from the field. North Carolina goes 13 for 25 from beyond the arc. Cam Johnson, 25 points in that game. Luke May with 20. Kobe White with 15. So Gonzaga loses back-to-back games. They drop to number eight in the polls after those two losses. They do not lose again until the WCC championship. They rip through everybody. Not a single game prior to that WCC title game was decided by fewer than 12 points. They beat everybody by at least 12, and most of the time, it was by 30-plus. And the night before that WCC championship, they had just put up 100 points on Pepperdine. They beat Pepperdine in the WCC semifinals 100-74. to Six different Zags put up double figures in that game. And then came, quite possibly, the most baffling performance in Gonzaga history, just a total anomaly. Nobody could ever make sense of it. They scored 47 points in the game. They shot two for 17 from beyond the arc. They shot 38% from the field as a team. Zach Norvell was one for 11. Josh Perkins was four for 14. To this day, it is one of the most baffling performances of any Gonzaga team in school history. So St. Mary's, wins the WCC championship, and it almost cost Gonzaga a number one seed in the West, but they were able to hold on to that number one seed, and they beat the living heck out of Fairleigh Dickinson in the first round. And that was an encouraging game because it was the best Killian Tilly had looked all season long, and we thought maybe Killian Tilly was back, and that would have been huge um, going forward in the NCAA tournament, he had 17 points on seven of eight shooting. He played 18 minutes. He looked fantastic. He looked like he had his burst back and everything. Unfortunately, he did not play as well in the final three games. The second round game was against Baylor, and that, of course, was the Brandon Clark game. Arguably the best NCAA tournament performance of any Gonzaga player in history. 36 points on 15 of 18 shooting. He had eight rebounds. Three assists, two steals, five blocks, and just one turnover. Not just one of the best games in Gonzaga history. One of the best NCAA tournament performances from any player over the last decade, two decades, three decades. Really a transcendent performance from Brandon Clark. Helps beat Baylor 83-71. to Gonzaga gets back to the Sweet 16, and they get a rematch with Florida State. And this Florida State team was not the Florida State team from the year before, or even the Florida State team from earlier this same season because they lost multiple players to injury. So the depth that a lot of people were concerned about with Florida State just wasn't there. They only had an eight-man rotation. One of the best players was hurt earlier in the year. This was not the same dangerous Florida State team that a lot of people thought it was. And Gonzaga was able to handle them much better uh, with a full roster at their disposal. Florida State did get within striking distance with about four minutes left, but Zach Norvell hit a a huge three from the left wing that uh, gave Gonzaga some more breathing room. They ended up winning the game 72-58. to 
Four different Zags scored at least 14 points in that game. Another well-rounded effort. Brandon Clark with another double-double, 15 points and 12 rebounds. And at that point, you kind of felt maybe that that was kind of like the West Virginia Sweet 16 game where they beat West Virginia and then whoever they played in the Elite Eight, it didn't really matter. They were going to just kind of blast through them and get to their Final Four. Didn't happen. They had to face a red-hot Texas Tech Red Raider team who was one of the best defenses in the country, had one of the best players in the country, and Jarrett Culver. Chris Beard was known for his just insanely hard-nosed, defensive-minded team that nobody could really score on throughout the season, especially in the NCAA tournament. Gonzaga's offense, for the most part, was not the problem in this game. They scored 69 points, which was the most that anybody had scored against Texas Tech up until that point in the tournament. Gonzaga gave up 75. You cannot give up 75 points in an NCAA tournament game and and win too many of them. And that's exactly what happened. They gave up too many points to Texas Tech. They went 9 for 23 from the line. Davide Moretti hit two enormous threes down the stretch. Gonzaga really played just a poor three-minute stretch um, late in the second half. And that's what doomed them. And they lose to Texas Tech 75 to 69 in a game... To be quite honest, they probably shouldn't have lost. Um, I think this team was probably the best team in college basketball in 2019. Obviously, you can make an argument for Virginia as that number one team as they did win the national championship. But this Gonzaga team was right there with them all season long. And they just played three bad minutes in a game against Texas Tech. And that's kind of the fickle beast of the NCAA tournament. You play three bad minutes and that dooms your whole season. And it just sucks that that's how Josh Perkins ended his career. Rui Hachimura ended his career. Brandon Clark ended his career. Jeremy Jones ended his career. Um, Gino Crandall only had one season at Gonzaga, but still ended his career as well. So many good players uh, left this team after this 2019 season, and they deserved at least an experience in the Final Four, and we did not get that. I want to mention some of the accolades of those players that I just mentioned. Rui Hachimura, WCC Player of the Year, Julius Irving Award winner, Consensus First Team All-American, and of course gets drafted in the lottery. Brandon Clark had one of the most efficient seasons in the history of college basketball. He is one of just four players in the last 30 years, and two of them were in this season. Obviously, Zion Williamson and Brandon Clark to average 16 points and eight rebounds while shooting above 70% inside the arc. Only two other players in the last 30 years besides Zion and Brandon Clark were able to accomplish that. And it was Michael Bradley who did it at Villanova in the early 2000s. A guy named Evan Brads who did it for Belmont back in the 2015-16 season. Brandon Clark, one of the most efficient seasons in college basketball history and for some reason was not named to any All-American team, which was disrespectful. He also completely shattered the uh, blocks record in Gonzaga history, finished the season with a whopping 117 blocks. If there's any player that's going to be able to block or uh, uh, pass that block record, it's Chet Holmgren this season. So it'll be interesting to watch if Chet Holmgren can pass 117 blocks in a season. Zach Norvell, it's 97 threes in his uh, retro sophomore season before heading off to the NBA draft. That's third most in Gonzaga history for a season. Josh Perkins, he finishes his career number one in all-time assists. So the end of just four incredible careers, whether it was five years like Josh Perkins or one year like Brandon Clark, um, the end to just four incredible basketball players that gave so much to Gonzaga. 
especially Josh Perkins. That kid, man, he took so much criticism from the fan base. Um, Some of it warranted, most of it not. He took it all with a smile on his face and competed every single night that he went out there. And, um, you know, I have a ton of respect for Josh Perkins and what he put himself through uh, in his Gonzaga career. And I think that's a a good a spot as any to end today's look back. Coming up to finish the show, we are going to talk about Chet Holmgren. We saved the best for last on the men's side of things. Obviously, Chet Holmgren's going to play a ton of minutes, so calling this the path to playing time probably isn't the best name. The bigger question might be, what does Chet Holmgren need to do to help Gonzaga win their first national championship? We'll try to provide an answer to finish out this week of shows. Before we do, it's that time of year again, and all eyes are turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, both open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a welcome bonus of 100%. That's right, a 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the September 9th season opener between the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo codes Locked On and NFL100. It's hard to find things to say about Chad Holmgren at this point that haven't already been said. He is the number one high school prospect in the country, and we are so incredibly lucky to have him in Spokane following his former teammate in Jalen Suggs. And if Chet Holmgren has anywhere as close of the impact that Jalen Suggs had, Gonzaga is going to be knocking on the door to another Final Four. This segment over the last month has been reserved for players' path to playing time. But we know Chet Holmgren is going to start and probably play 25 or 30 minutes a night. So instead, I am making this the goal for Chet Holmgren. Obviously, the biggest goal is to win the national championship. But what will help Gonzaga do that? The goal for Chet Holmgren is to become the number one pick in the 2002 NBA draft. If he does that, it means Gonzaga probably made a deep run in the tournament and he had as good of a season as we could hope for. During his senior season, I'm sure you guys have heard this stat before, but during his senior season at Minnehaha Academy, Chet Holmgren averaged 20.8 points, 12.6 rebounds, 4.7 blocks, and he shot, and I'm not even kidding you, 80% from the field. For a season, 80% from the field. Then he followed it up by winning a gold medal in the FIBA U19 World Cup this summer, And he won the MVP award in that tournament. He scored 12 points a night. He blocked nearly three shots a game. And he shot 62% from the field. He is an incredibly efficient basketball player. Then he went out and played in the crossover event last weekend. And he scored 35 points while hitting step back threes and turnaround mid-range fadeaway jumpers. Which, if you're a seven-foot guy consistently hitting these shots, you are quite literally impossible to guard. And now we get to see... What Gonzaga's coaching staff can do with a player like this. They've had Kelly Olynyk, 
who was very unique. They had Kyle Wilcher, who could score from anywhere. Even Killian Tilly had come, you know, some of the same offensive skills, but none of them were quite as skilled on the perimeter like Chet Holmgren is. But of course, he is going to make most of his money on the defensive end of the court. And in all honesty, I think Gonzaga as a team may make their entire identity on that end of the floor. I'm not sure if it's going to be as good as the 2017 defense, but this roster has some incredibly quick, incredibly athletic perimeter defenders who are going to cause a lot of chaos. And knowing that Chet Holmgren is there protecting the rim, it is going to give them the opportunity to get into their opponents even more and even gamble on some plays because they know they've got the best shot blocker in the sport behind them. It was the same way back in 2017 when Gonzaga had three different rim protectors, Zach Collins, Shemek Karnowski, and Jonathan Williams. Their guards were able to be way more aggressive on the perimeter, and it led to that 2017 team having the best three-point defense in school history. think something very, very similar could happen with this 2021-2022 Gonzaga Bulldog team. Back on the offensive side, Chet Holmgren, he is the ultimate mismatch, especially when he's paired with Drew Timmy. If you're an opposing team, you basically have to pick your poison on who you want to guard with your best forward defender. If you want to put your most physical guy on Chet Holmgren and trying to kind of bully him and bang him around, that leaves Drew Timmy inside on a weaker player, and he is going to score 25 points in the blink of an eye. If you go with a more finesse guy, maybe a smaller guy guarding Chet Holmgren, he's just going to shoot right over the top of them. I have no idea how teams are going to guard Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy in pick and rolls with Andrew Nemhard. Those three are going to be so incredibly dynamic. It is going to be so much fun to watch. The one thing that was super impressive in the U19 World Cup was Chet Holmgren's passing ability. He is the number one prospect in the class of 2021, but he is incredibly unselfish. And that is really rare to find in a top prospect. But that's one of many reasons why he fits so well with Gonzaga, much like his teammate in Jalen Suggs. And if his offense at this level matches what his defense is going to be, he is going to be the first pick in the NBA draft next summer. And Gonzaga will be right back in the national championship game, and hopefully Chet Holmgren can help finish the job. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. We will be back on Monday to recap a bunch of fall sports action, some soccer, some volleyball, everything else that goes on this weekend. And then we'll look back on the 2020 Gonzaga Bulldogs who had their tournament hopes ripped away by the pandemic. We'll also continue our Path to Playing Time series with some words on Kylie Griffin, We've got three more women's players to get through early next week, and we're going to talk about all three of them on Monday and Tuesday before moving on to some big picture stuff on Wednesday and Thursday. Before we go today, if you are a baseball fan, betting on the MLB does not have to be a guessing game anymore. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast Brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, also rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating. Follow me on Twitter at Escargo. Follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnZags. 
If you want to email the show, feel free to do so. It's lockedonzags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.